It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Wednesday, February 10th, as we look to recap UFC Fight Night Overeem versus Volkov, which took place on Saturday, February 6th at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. And it's great to be back with you guys here. We got a great recap show. Fun week here at North Star Sports. Uh, Not for any particular reason, just because, you know, it's another week here at North Star Sports. I mean, you know, it's the greatest company in the world. It's the best podcast in the world. And, you know, we're back into the swing of things here with the main card showdown. And, you know, there's just a lot of fun stuff. Hopefully we'll get uh, Drew Peterson back on the podcast. You know, he owes me. He owes me a podcast appearance. So if he's listening, you know, he better message me because he owes me a podcast appearance because, you know, the fans, I, I nonstop I keep hearing from the fans, I need to hear another soup hour. I need to hear, you know, the pizza hour and stuff like this. So, you know, he is in very high demand right now. And, you know, hey, we'll, we'll see what we can do. I, you know, I pull a lot of strings here at North Star Sports. So we'll see what I can do. You know, maybe the Regmeister will show up on a podcast one of these days. I mean, you never, you never know who we're going to have on the show. But for today, it's just me riding solo. And, uh, yeah, it is, uh, it is fun to be back. Uh, doing the recap just a little bit late. I mean, it is Wednesday, but, you know, better late than never. You know, all these people who did their recap shows on Monday, I feel bad for them because that's just instant reaction. That's, you know, that's uh, a sensation going to your neuron and then you just, you know, blurting out some random shit. But I've had I've had three days to digest Overeem versus Volkov, so I have the hottest sports takes imaginable because I've just, you know, sat on them for three days. I have had, you know, 72 hours to really think about the implications of the main event. You know, what's next for Benil Dariush? You know, these hard-pressing questions that people come to me for the answers for, you know, and and they're just getting nonsense from other people because they're just, uh... I don't know, instant reaction? Yeah, nobody cares about your instant reaction, buddy. They only care about what the mailman's got to say because the mailman's the one who delivers. So I am ready to deliver here. Um, But before I deliver, before I deliver, uh, we do have some housekeeping related to the main card showdown because we did have NSS 27 and, uh, you know, another, another dominant win for the mailman. You know what I mean? Uh, sure, it was a split decision. Sure, as uh, I get all my alerts at once for some reason. Uh, but yeah, you know, sure, the mailman has been to stru- two straight split decisions. But listen, it's still a dub on my record. It's still another title defense. You know, 16, 8, and 3. You know, I'm just, I'm just racking up these records here. So let's see here. Obviously, most wins. Every time I win, I, I just break my own record. The lo- I've tied the longest title defense streak, which I already set at three. Uh, longest winning streak is currently active with five. Longest unbeaten streak at six. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, but I mean, those are the main the main ones. 
for the main card showdown. So if I win, I mean, I'm basically already Tom Brady. I'm basically already the GOAT at this game. But, you know, if I can defend my title one more time, uh, I will have broken my own record for the longest title defense streak, which, honestly, that's really the only... That's really the only record that matters. I mean, yeah, you could rack up a lot of wins, but, I mean, listen, there's a lot of people at the bottom of this organization that rack up a lot of wins, you know what I mean? Because they just face, you know, NPCs like the, the fucking squirrels, you know what I mean? But the title defense streak, that's that's really, the, you know, the, the bread and butter because it means you're at the top and you're consistently winning at the top. And I would like to announce right now, right now, and I know a lot of people... Okay, we've had a lot of people skip out on the main card showdown. Okay, we haven't seen Jordan in a while, probably because he's on a losing streak. You know, we haven't seen Bree in a while. You know, that's fine. Hey, you don't have to show up every every single week. It's going to be hard to work your way to a title, but, the, you know, that's fine. People don't. It's like the UFC. You don't have to You don't have to compete here. Take as many weeks as you want off. Take as many as you want on. We'll always find people. Um, but I am here to announce right now at 1.22 p.m. Wednesday, February 10th, that the main event of NSS 28 is going to be the mailman and the locomotive. That is the next title fight. Because if I'm going to break the record for the longest title defense streak, I can't do it against anybody other than the locomotive. You know, I just got to posterize him. It wouldn't be, you know, if I if I set the record beating Captain again or Reagan, well, actually Reagan would matter because he's got a winning record against me. But, you know, it's I got to posterize the locomotive. It has to be. I, I'm Vince Carter, and he has to be that French guy who he dunks on, who's a seven footer. You know, that's what it has to be. So, you know, hey, we'll we'll see. I know he's gonna come out swinging. He did get a knockout in his last fight, so you know, I'm I'm a little bit impressed. I'm a little bit impressed with uh, you know Mr. Peterson. You know, he's not known as a knockout guy. He only had two, uh, and he he basically has just as many appearances as me, and he he's only had two knockouts, but he he got number three. So that was a little impressive. And that was against Steve, too. So, in, I mean, Steve's kind of cooled off a little bit, but he was hot shit for a minute. So he got revenge uh, from the uh, the January Grand Prix because he was the one who knocked him out uh, of the tournament. And, uh, yeah, two straight 10-7s. I mean, that's pretty impressive. So, you know, that's the thing when you're the champ. You're always taking on the hot fighter. You know, Captain was the hot fighter, won four of his last five, beat Drew, you know, then Steve was the undefeated guy. I beat him, you know, so it, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. The rest of the card, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> I have no idea. The squirrels will be in there. I Reagan will probably be in there. Steve will probably be in there. But anybody else, I have no fucking clue. We might have to find some new people to, to get in there. We might have to call up fucking the bull man or tb69 or some of my old roommates or something because you know we're, we're kind of running out of uh running out of people i could get my brother to do it probably i could get uh i could get quincy the dab man to, to make an appearance i don't know how, how good he would do but I, I definitely could get him ah that's a good cup of mud good cup of joe i'm a man who enjoys a cup of joe uh, but yeah, as I'm uh, slowly putting off the uh, the recap here, I think that's all the housekeeping we have to get to, so we can get right into the the meat of the podcast, which of course is going to be the recap of UFC Fight Night Volkov, or excuse me, Overeem versus Volkov. And there's no better place to start than the main event where Alexander Volkov knocks out Alistair Overeem in round number two. 
Um, it was a good performance. It was a good performance. Uh, I think it was a, a tailor-made matchup for both fighters. You know, we've seen more so Volkov struggle against ground fighters. You know, I wouldn't say Overeem's great against ground fighters, but obviously he's a well-rounded guy. He's going to have the most experience of any fighter in the heavyweight division. And, uh, you know, I, I figured the, the fight would play out just like it did. Not necessarily the, the finish that early, but just... It's gonna be a it's gonna be a boxing kickboxing match, and um, you know Volkov is like three inches taller, but they do have the exact same reach. So the you know the size discrepancy was a little bit overplayed because I I would contend that reach is infinitely more important than height. Although height you know certainly uh, is an advantage, but Volkov looked really good, man. You could tell. I mean. He, he was very happy to face a guy who was going to stand and bang. Uh, I thought Overeem probably should have grappled a little bit more. Uh, he did a little bit in the second round, I want to I want to say, but it, it it was it was too late and and you know just because you grapple with Volkov um, in the clinch doesn't exactly. Uh, I mean Volkov's no slouch as long as the fight is standing, and uh, you know that that was the thing I really noticed. I think Volkov's punching power is very underrated because. It is heavyweight, and Volkov just looks like he's moving in quicksand, no disrespect. But when he throws those punches, it, it reminds me of, like, Godzilla. Like, when you see it in the movies, like, Godzilla, I guess that's a big thing now, Godzilla and King Kong. I don't know, maybe that's a movie coming up or something. I, I don't know, I don't watch movies. But, um, I like, Godzilla will throw a punch or something, or and it's, it's in super slow motion because he's so big. But you just know that that punch is, is going, you know, 100 miles an hour. Uh, I, I kind of feel the same way with Volkov, where it's like, ah, you could look at Overeem's face and the, the, the fact that he got knocked out in round number two and go, yeah, those punches didn't look super fast, but, man, he's just so big that you know it, it's just like getting hit with a Mack truck. Um, very deceptive power. I mean, and, and, you know, whatever. Everybody at heavyweight... Heavy, Jesus. Everybody at heavyweight has power, obviously, but, um, you know, that was a really clean performance by, by Volkov. You know, I thought it was, uh, you know... He, he, he showed a, a high IQ in that fight, you know, uh, I don't know, and, and, that, and that was the thing I was talking about in the preview fight with Overeem, where, um, you know, he'll, he'll do that, um, that, that boxing defense or whatever, whatever, where he'll just, you know, turtle up and just you shell up and, uh, and sit there and try to eat some, some punches with his, his um, uh, forearms. I don't know, man. Didn't really work. I mean, I would have liked to have seen the other classic Overeem trick, which is just fucking run away. Um, but, but like I said, the heavyweight division is so tiered that Volkov is still five rungs below the title shot. I mean, he's still so far away. The, outside of getting a win, which obviously is good, and getting a paycheck, this fight did nothing for Volkov. It did do something for Overeem, and, and, and you know, it signaled the end for the Overeem, uh, for the for the Uberim. Uh, yep, that's... I don't think he'll retire, and he'll probably still have some main events. Uh, I think the UFC will try to do another, like, Overeem versus Sakai type of fight in the sense where, like, they'll try to put Overeem against a young prospect and have have that prospect build his name off of Overeem, uh, which is easier said than done because, you know, Sakai lost that fight. But um, I, I don't know. Again, Volkov, it's still 
a very uphill battle for Volkov to get to the to, to get to a title fight for Overeem. He will never get back to that title, which is unfortunate. But I don't think he's going to cry himself to sleep at night because, uh, you know, he he is an absolute legend of the sport. You know, won a belt in every major organization he's been in outside of the UFC. So. You know, he'll be fine. I don't think anybody necessarily thinks less of Overeem because he's not a UFC champ, but he'll just never be UFC champ. I mean, what is it? He's 40 now, and uh, I don't know, man. He just he just doesn't have it, man. He'll he'll definitely beat guys below him. That's that's for sure. But uh, I don't know. So in a sense, it was kind of sad, but uh, I don't know, man. The sport passes everybody by, and uh, you know sometimes it's a little more frustrating when you're like Overeem. Because the sport passes people by in different ways. And, you know, I'm sure it's devastating anyway that the, the sport passes you by. But, you know, like the sport will pass you by like uh, Rashad Evans, where, you, where you'll just lose, you know, fucking six or seven fights in a row. And then you're just like, okay, I really don't have it, man. I just got to I just gotta retire. You're getting beat by Daniel fucking Kelly and guys like that. You're just like, okay, it's not even competitive. Like, it's done. And then the sport will pass you by a little a little more slowly, like Overeem, where it's like, man, I can still get these wins. I can still feel good. I can still stay relevant. I'm still in the top seven. But, uh, you know, every time every time I get these top five, top six matchups, you know, I, I typically end up losing them. So, you know, the sport passes you by in different ways. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a rough one for Overeem because, you know, he's really endeared himself to the fans, um, you know, over over the years. Um, wanted to pull up the rankings here in the heavyweight division, courtesy of NorthStarSports.media. So, I mean, you know you got to check that shit out. Um, so Volkov was at six. Overeem was at five. We now have Volkov at four. So Derek Lewis moves from four to five. Overeem from five to six. So, you know, now, now Volkov is in the top five. Again, he's still a million miles away from the title, which is crazy to say when you're at number four. And I guess, you know, if we can get this Miocic and Ganu fight over and then Blades gets hurt and Rosenstrike gets hurt, you know, I, you know, I guess there's a path to the title. But, you know, if, if things kind of go semi-regular, he, he's still a little a little bit away from the title. Um, I know some people might disagree with me putting Volkov ahead of Lewis because Lewis knocked the fucking piss out of Volkov. But you guys got to remember, that was... UFC 229, that was October of 2018, which is fucking crazy to say. Like, because I, because I, when I was doing the rankings, I was like, oh, Volkov below Lewis because Lewis beat him. And then I was like, holy shit, no, that's like almost two and a half years ago. Like, that's fucking crazy. Time flies by, man. But, uh, yeah, so I don't really give a shit about, you know, results that happened two and a half years ago. I, when I do these rankings, I, and I know it sounds like I'm nitpicking here, but I really only look at like the last two years for rankings. So the fact that Lewis beat him two and a half years ago, okay, good for you, you know. But I got to look at more recent recent shit, and they've both been active active fighters, and Volkov just has the better recent resume. All right, we're gonna move on here to the co-main event, where uh, we had Corey Sandhagen knock out Frankie Edgar with a flying knee in 28 seconds and uh yeah fuck talk about the sport passing people by you know that's a very sad result for uh for a lot of people there um there's not a whole lot you can glean from the fight because it was 28 seconds i mean 
the thing I take away from it is that Corey Sandhagen is going to be a motherfucking problem uh, at 135, and I'm not saying that his 90-second submission loss to Sterling was a fluke, but I kind of am, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just kind of throw that out, out, of, out of the window, man, like, props to Sterling, I don't take anything away from Sterling, it's just I don't, I don't pile on Sandhagen for the loss, you know, again, I want to make that very clear, like, you know, that that win looks even better for Sterling, good for him, and, you know, he's getting his title shot, which he richly deserves, but it's like, ah, he, he caught him quick, man, good for him, but Sandhagen, holy shit, man, this guy's a dangerous, dangerous striker, and he's so long and lanky, you know, he's, he's five foot eleven, and uh, as we saw, the, the, really the one takeaway from this fight is you got to watch your range with Sandhagen. I mean, you might think he's out of out of range, but uh, he's fucking not, man. And, and he's going to catch you with anything. Could be the spinning wheel kick he caught Marlon Marais with. Could be the flying knee. But, you know, I think we, we, th- we thought of Corey Sandhagen as a ground guy, which I do think he's a very capable ground fighter. But these last two results have just, number one, solidified his... his title shot calling next and then just the fact that man this guy's a really fucking good striker and I think this guy's the real deal and I've said so for a while I didn't necessarily think he was going to be this good but I mean you look at his his resume in the UFC uh that uh I I really knew he was special from that uh Ayuri Alcantara fight where he's taken on on a guy with four times as much experience as him and nearly gets his fucking arm ripped out of his socket, and uh, I don't know how he, I mean, I know how women would survive that, because they got, like, more flexible joints, and, like, we see, we see female UFC fighters, like, work their way out of, like, really, really deep submissions, just because they're more bendy, but, like, and that's impressive to me, what, what Sandhagen did, because I'm probably the least flexible guy on the planet, Um, but just, I don't even know what he did, just channeled his inner fucking chakras and just wrote out <laughs> some guy trying to rip his arm off. And you're like, oh, wow, that guy's built out of something different. And, you know, beating John Lineker, uh, John Lineker's a tough guy as well, and beating a Sun Tzu, that and that was before a Sun Tzu got flatlined by Garbrandt. You know, a Sun Tzu is one of the most underrated guys in the history of the bantamweight division when you look at his performances against Dillashaw and, and guys like that. And then you know, again, the Sterling loss and, and all that, but, you know, I, I think Corey's going to be a problem. I, I thought, promotionally, I, I loved what he did after the fight, you know, talking about, um, you know, the the winner of uh, that title fight between Jan and Sterling, uh, their reward is, you know, they got to get knocked knocked out by me or whatever. Um, you know, I, I love it, and he seems like a good dude as well, and, uh, but, you know, at the same time, so does Frankie Edgar, you know, that's, that's, you know, when they talk about the thrill and the agony, you know what I mean? Somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose. And uh, for Frankie, fuck, man, that that sucks. And, you know, I, I did not think Frankie won that fight against um, Pedro Munoz. So I don't think Frankie should have been, you know, highly ranked in the bantamweight division to begin with. And I don't know, man, it's just sad. Frankie Edgar, I mean, this was a guy who was known for having an iron chin. And by the way, 39 at bantamweight is ancient. That's 45 at light heavyweight. I mean, that that's really old. And you know, it was really impressive when Brian Ortega knocked him out. We've never we've never really seen that. And then you know he gets, uh, I guess, TKO'd by by the Korean Zombie. But then 
this is different, and even I think they I think they call the Ortega knockout a knockout, not a technical knockout. So I think he has been KO'd before, but he was still breathing. He was still moving. You know what I mean? But to get sent to sleep, this, this what Corey Sandhagen did to him is a true KO, uh, where the motherfucker's not moving. Okay. And uh, we've never seen that, and that's crazy. Because you think about the wars that this guy's been in with Gray Maynard, and, uh, you know, I don't know, man, it's kind of sad. And um, I think bantamweight is the correct weight class for him. And to, to be absolutely frank, he looked like a flyweight in there against a featherweight in Corey Sandhagen. And, um, excuse me, I mean, it just shows how impressive it was that Frankie won the belt at lightweight. Because it's just a different time, man. It's just a different time uh, where you... I don't think you could do that these days. He really wasn't even cutting weight to fight at 155. I don't think you could do that these days. When you take on a Poirier, a guy who's, who probably should be a welterweight. When you take on Khabib, a guy who probably should be a welterweight, and you're a true bantamweight, I, I, don't, I don't think we'll ever see another Frankie Edgar at, at lightweight or in any division, a guy who's fighting two weight classes up and not cutting weight and, uh, you know, having that type of success. But, uh, I don't know, man, I really feel bantamweight is just true, uh, weight class, but I just think he should be, I think he should be done. I really do. And, and again, you know, you guys know my stance on this. I don't, I'll give my advice. I'll say somebody should retire, but I don't give a fuck. If you, if Frankie Edgar wants to stick around to get knocked out 17 more times, uh, that's his choice, man. I, I don't really care, but I'll, I'll you know, say it's a bad idea. And, um, you know, may, maybe one more to send him off. Maybe, you know, man, I don't know. Maybe you put him against Dom Cruz, although that's still going to be a tough fight as well. But I, I don't know. If he wants to go out on a win, I think that's fine. Give him another one, but... I, I think, you know, being a serious title contender and giving him killers, uh, that's probably the end of it, man. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Just the, the sport passes you by. Um, we'll take a look here at the bantamweight rankings. So uh, Frankie Edgar is going to fall from four to six. Rob Font and Jose Aldo are going to move up one spot to four and five. Um, All righty here. We'll move on here to the featured bout. Uh, which was a unanimous decision victory for Clay Guida over Michael Johnson. Um, I didn't really watch this one very closely, to be frank. I, I, I didn't really care a whole lot about uh, this outcome. Uh, I would have thought Michael Johnson was the heavy favorite to win this one, but again, you just never know what Michael Johnson you're going to get. I mean, I know he beat Dustin Poirier. I feel like he has another really, really good win on his resume, but man, you just don't know what you're going to get. I mean, oh, Edson Barboza. God, so it's, man, he's just, this, oh, and Tony Ferguson, holy shit. Yeah, so you, man, you just don't ever know what you're going to get from Michael Johnson. I mean, this is a guy who beats, like, two of the greatest lightweights of all time. And, uh, you know, hey, a win over T-Bow, a win over Joe Lozon back in 2013 when a win over Joe Lozon might have meant something. A win over Barboza, but then, Jesus, man, he'll lose to fucking Stevie Ray or... Chago Moises, or nothing against these guys, but it's just, you know, God, you don't know what to expect with them, and yeah, we got the bad Michael Johnson, and uh, yeah, didn't go so, didn't go so great, um, and you know, th th that is an impressive win for Clay Guida, I don't really know what he's fighting for, he seems like he's nowhere near retirement, which is crazy to say, because uh, that dude's probably, 
you know, 39 years old or something. But uh, good, good for him. You know, and he was talking about how he wants to take on, like, not just an old guy, but, like, a new up-and-comer because it's been a while, and I don't think that would go well. I, re- I really don't, but... You know, good for him, man. I mean, he really seems to love it, and that guy's got a lot of energy. And you know, when when he's still doing that bouncy shit in the interview, I mean, you you know, you fucked up as Michael Johnson because you know, dude's just got energy for days, and you didn't zap any of it. So, I don't know. It, it really wouldn't shock me if Michael Johnson got cut. Um, I wouldn't cut him because I I do think um, you know, yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of losses, man. But I don't know. I still think he can be a capable fighter. But listen. Anytime where, you know, anytime you're on a four-fight losing streak, um, that's just never good, man. That, that's just never good. Obviously, that one does not uh, impact the rankings. Uh, moving on here, we have a uh, unanimous decision victory for Alexandre Pantoja over Manel Kopp. And, uh, fuck, that was probably the most frustrating performance I've seen uh, on this entire card. That was just... Panto, it was it was activity versus inactivity, and that's the sole reason why Pantoja won. He wasn't really landing. Cop was was landing at uh, a, a pretty high rate. It's just his output was so goddamn low when he was showboating. Listen, I don't have a problem with with people showboating or taunting or anything. I love it. That's that that, that makes it so much funner. But when you're not really doing anything. Okay, and uh, man, I I think his style is really good. I just think if he had more activity, he could be a future champ. And I don't say that lightly. This guy came over and faced the number six guy in the division for a reason. Like the UFC had very high expectations for him. I'm sure they were fucking more than thrilled with his performance. Um, but man, he's just bouncy. He's got a really good stance. I think his defense is really good. He showed that. But you know, and his offense is his offense is good as well. It's just fuck. You just got to throw more, man. That that fight was very easily there for the taking, and he just didn't really want it, man, which is tough. You know, I think he's perfectly suited for a five-round fight. I think if he fights like that, just a, a tiny bit more active over a five-round fight, uh, you know, it could be a dominant a dominant win, but I don't know, man. It, he, re- realistically, if he beat Pantoja, he's probably just one win away from a title fight. You know, you take on... Uh, Askar Askarov or somebody like that and you beat them and you know that that's two quick fights and 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 you're probably getting a title shot but you know now you're probably three wins away from a a title fight and there's not really any good reason for it you just you didn't want to fight man uh let's see what I have in the old notebook here for uh mental cop um yeah just way too patient way too patient uh, he was actually really good when he was moving forward. It was just when he was moving backwards where, uh, you know, and circling where he didn't really do anything. But, you know, there were parts in that third round where he was landing pretty good. He was If he was if he was doing that for three, three rounds, he would have won a unanimous decision. And he was off the fucking goop if he was if he thought that he, he won that fight, you know, acting surprised when the judges... You know, scored at 30-27 for Pantoja. I mean, dude, you're off your fucking rocker, man. I mean, you, you did nothing. You didn't do anything. If it was a uh, efficient, if that's all we were going for is just efficiency numbers, I mean, man, then you know this guy would be champ already. But uh, yeah, didn't didn't do anything. And Pantoja, it just activity, man. He was cool with myth- missing, you know, seven shots to land one, and he just moved forward. 
And, you know, octagon control is a part of how they score the fight. And, uh, you know, when you're landing more, I mean, see, it was 30-27 Pantoja, but it wasn't, you know, 30-27 sometimes can mean, wow, he beat him 30-27. That was kind of a dominant performance. And then sometimes 30-27 means, well, listen, this guy barely won each round, but he did win each round, so he did win it 30-27. So you gotta, you gotta understand that sometimes a score doesn't exactly reflect the fight, even though it is the correct one. And each round was close, but it's just when you're throwing more and you're moving forward, I, I, I believe octagon control is the last thing judges look for under the current rule set, but I don't think that's how it works in their mind. As in, like, I don't think that's how that actually plays out. I think they do value octagon control uh, a lot higher than the lowest fucking thing they should look for. So, I don't know, man. When, and, and that's the thing. I forget who said this, but it was a really great point where, um, shoot, it might have been Alan Joban on one of those uh, pre- or post-fight shows where, you know, a lot of the times if you're moving forward, the judges are just going to score it for the guy moving forward, even if that guy's missing a bunch of shots and, and even if, uh, you know, the, the guy who's backing up is landing a bunch of shots and the guy's just eating them coming forward, a lot of times it's like, oh, well, that guy's moving backwards. He must be losing the fight. You know, because listen, these judges are fucking idiots for the most part. I mean, and there are some good ones, obviously, but, you know, a lot of these judges don't know what the fuck they're doing. So it's like, well, that guy's moving forward. I mean, why would, if the guy's moving backwards, why would he be winning? If he was winning, he would be moving forward. So it's like, okay, I mean, number one, and whatever, like, easier said than done, of course, but you never want to leave the fight in in the hands of the judges. Sometimes you gotta, because it's just such a close fight. You know, you can't finish them, but it's like... I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's just a fr- frustrating performance all around. I don't even think Pantoja looked that good. Uh, he, he just was landing more. Or probably not even. I guess I could look at the stats here. Um, I would probably bet that he only outlanded him by uh, a handful of... Str- okay, he outlanded him 77 to 51, but I don't know. It didn't really feel like that in the fight. He threw 60 more strikes, and uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I did like the takedowns from from Cop, but really that would have only mattered if if you know he kind of turned up the pressure a little bit um, early on. Um, we'll take a look here at the flyweight rankings. Um, we move Pantoja up from five to four, and Alex Perez from four to five. Uh, Manel Cop does not enter the rankings because he did not get a win, so he is still an unranked fighter. Which I think is fair. I mean, I don't know. How are you, you going to say he's above, you know, Kai Kara France or, or Hajerio Bontarin when he didn't even win his fight? So, I don't know. I'm sure he will be ranked in the UFC rankings, um, but he will not be ranked in our rankings. All right, moving on. Still on the main card, we had a split decision victory for Benil Dariush over Diego Fajeda. Uh, probably the best fight on the card, uh, to be honest. Now, I, I completely disagree with the split decision that was 100% a 30-27 to 27 victory for Benil Dariush. Some of the rounds were closer for uh, Fajeda, but he did not win any round. And I do want to pull up MMA decisions here because uh, I am curious to, say, to see what uh, you know, the, the very trustworthy media has to say about this one. But I don't know, man. I, I don't see how it was close. Uh, we take a look here at the scores, and every single media member has it for Dariush. Um, probably 20 of them have it 30-27, and four of them have it 29-28. Um, 
Listen, I I wouldn't disagree with you necessarily if you said 29-28 Dariush, because maybe, maybe you think Fajeda won, you know, rounds one or rounds two. I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't see it, but... Um, Either way, at least at least they got it correct. At least the correct fighter won the fight. You know, that's the shitty part, is that it is a split decision, so that does go on your record. But, you know, listen, it, we, we've seen much worse judging, so at least the correct fighter won the fight. And uh, that was a very, very impressive performance by Benil Dariush, i got to be honest with you. I mean, this, this is the same for both fighters. They, you know, they were originally ground fighters, and both of them have uh, greatly improved striking over their last couple of fights. But specifically with uh, uh, Benil Dariush, I mean, his striking is, is really good now. I mean, he's a really well-rounded fighter. And, you know, it's kind of crazy to think that Dariush has been in the UFC for, Jesus, maybe maybe seven years. And he's only 31. So, you know, he's, he's really not even that old. And I do think something big is is next for him. And uh, I was just impressed. I mean, he, he uh, beat... Fajeda in the striking, and he beat him in the grappling, which is crazy, because Fajeda is, you know, one of those, I don't know the organizations, IBJJF or whatever the fuck, you know, he's a, he's, he's one of those Abu Dhabi BJJ guys, so to kind of, I wouldn't say dominate, but dominate, but um, always be in control on the ground, and Fajeda was slippery as fuck, you know, you gotta give, you gotta give him credit, but, you know, Dariush, he, he, he never got put in a bad spot, again, very high IQ. It, it always seemed like no matter what situation he was in, there was always a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. He never boxed himself into a position. You know, you'll always see that with a good grapplers, grapplers like um, like a Michael Chiesa. You know, that dude does some weird shit on the ground, but he'll never put himself into a, into a spot where he's backed into a corner on the ground. And, uh, you know, that, that was a case there. And he's He's messing with, you know, the bull there because, you know, Fe- Carlos Diego Fajeda is a very dangerous guy on the ground. But, uh, yeah, I, I like it. If I had to nitpick one thing, um, and, and, you know, his coaches were saying this, the commentary team was saying this as well, not every fight has to be a war. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, like two or three times in a fight, Dariush will just, you know, lay the leather down and just, you know, do do the old-fashioned Max Ho- Max Holloway um, fuck, oh, Ricardo Lamas, uh, you know, Holloway, Lamas, you know, throw down, and it's like, Benio, you're winning the fight, you don't, you don't have to just, you know, swing wildly, now, typically when he does it, he still wins, like, that's how he knocked out Drakkar close, I think that's a very bad strategy to do at the highest level, which I think is, is where he's gonna be, like, if he gets, if, if his next fight is against, like, a Dan Hooker, or, you know, somebody up there, like that's a really bad strategy. Please don't do that. But I think he's a very well-rounded fighter. He can put a pressure on people that's that's uh, you know impressive. And he's a very physically strong fighter. He was again I wouldn't say domination because you know you, you got to pay Fajeda his due. But he was really controlling the fight. And uh, man, no matter where the fight goes, this this dude is 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 dangerous. And I don't know. It really seems like he's kind of turned a corner here. You know, he did have some early. Uh, losses in his career, but shit, man, he's on a seven-fight, six-fight winning streak, and, you know, against some pretty underrated guys, you know, Tiago Moises, Drew Dober, who's in the rankings, you know, Holtzman was kind of surging at that point, and, you know, the, the Diego Fajeda win is probably the best one of his career, and, um, you know, we'll see what's next for him. Um, take a look here at the lightweight rankings, so 
Dariush moves from 15 to 12. Uh, and Fajeda moves from 12 to 13. Makachev stays at 14. And Gregor Gillespie goes from 13 to 15. Uh, of course, you can check out these rankings at NorthStarSports.media. And, yeah, I don't know, man. Whatever, Whatever's next for Dariush is going to be up in the rankings. And, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think you could make a bad match against him, to be honest. Uh, you know, Kevin Lee sitting there at 11, Ally Aquinta at 10. I would like to see that one. I, honestly, Ally Aquinta and Dariush, I don't know what's next for Iaquinta. You know, maybe maybe Pauly, Pauly Redbeer, Pauly Iron Lungs uh, Felder. Um, maybe, maybe RDA, I, you know, I don't really know. Dan Hooker probably seems like a little... I don't want to say a little bit too much because Dariush has definitely put in his dues, but I don't know if that will be the, the direction they, they look to go. But I would really target Ally Aquinta. And for uh, Fajeda, I don't know, man. Maybe you take on Gregor Gillespie. I don't know. Maybe it's probably an unranked guy for him next, uh, if we're being honest. And, uh, yeah, that's tough. I mean, that's only his third loss uh, ever. So, you know, he, he's not really... Uh, accustomed to losing, and uh, I, he, I think he was on a crazy win streak as well. Like I think he was on a seven-fight win streak, something like that. His last loss was uh, to Dustin Poirier, which you know, it's it's a pretty high-level loss there. I mean, this really was two of the most underrated fighters in the deepest division going at it, and uh, yeah, for uh, uh, Fajeda. Uh, not not really a whole lot. N- nothing that I've, uh, you know, the old notebook. Nothing that I haven't already talked about. Um, probably needs to listen to his coach a little bit more. They were trying to give him good advice. It's kind of crazy because I think it was during the second round where uh, they tuned into his coaches, and everything that his coach was saying, like, went the opposite way. Like, hey, don't let him get your back. Don't let him get your back. Oh, he takes his back shake him off shake him off doesn't shake him off it's just crazy everything he said the exact opposite happened so i don't know maybe you should listen listen to his coach a little bit more all right we'll move on here to the main card opener uh if my web browser would work and it it was a round two submission via rear naked choke for danilo marquez on mike rodriguez dominant performance by marquez uh, controlled him on the ground. Rodriguez didn't really have an answer. Uh, you know, he, uh, you know, Rodriguez. I'll give him credit because he did he did stand up a couple of times. He just went right back down. And uh, I don't know. Marquez is a big guy too because he's six six at two oh five. Um, very awkward career for Mike Rodriguez. We talked about it on the on the pre fight show. Good for Marquez. Um, I really don't have anything to say on this fight. It was. Just, you know, domination on the ground, and eventually, you know, he, he sunk in uh, a choke. All right, moving on here to the prelim headliner, a catch weight of 160 pounds. It was a round two doctor stoppage for an eye injury. It was the return of Devonta Smith as he knocks out uh, Justin Janes. Um, you know, good, good to see Smith back. Uh, I did not know that he had the Achilles injury, so I was, you know, I didn't know why he took all this time off, but I guess that makes sense. It's a very severe injury, and, you know, he looked really good. His striking looked really, really well. You know, Janes is obviously a veteran of the sport, um, not a guy who's had a, a lot of success in the UFC um, since his debut. Not that he's been here forever, but, uh, yeah, Smith, you know, that was one of the hottest 
prospects in the UFC. And, um, you know, he, he had that uh, loss to Kama Worthy, crazy loss back at UFC 241. Uh, that was August of 2019, so quite the quite the layoff. And, uh, yeah, comes back, and, you know, it was a good stoppage. I mean, his eye absolutely ballooned up. I mean, it, it, it was bad. I know that he was a little frustrated that the fight got stopped, you know, and you can't blame him because that's just the mentality of, you know, a fighter, but... Yeah, that was a, that was a very good stoppage. You don't want somebody losing their fucking eyeball, and you know it's good good for Smith. I mean, you know, you you, you come back, you get a win. You know, hopefully he can stay active. He's only 27. Didn't really take a whole lot of damage. I know he said he wanted to take uh, a month off before he comes back. Fair enough, and you know, hopefully this guy can start the uh, treacherous climb at uh, 155 because. You know, just because you're a hot prospect doesn't mean you're a year or or 18 months away from, you know, doing something big. I mean, it, it, it could take a while. I mean, it's it's a very big climb. So, uh, you know, I just hope this guy can stay healthy and, uh, you know, we can see the, uh, the hot prospect that we all thought we were going to get back in 2019. All right, we're moving on here. We had a unanimous decision victory for Carol Hosa over Jocelyn Edwards. Uh, I did not watch a lot of this fight. Good for Edwards. Uh, we did move her into the rankings, which is good. Which is good because, like I've been saying for a long time, women's bantamweight is so goddamn boring. Uh, it's it's one of the grossest divisions because there's no there's no new young talent it's just the same people losing to the same fighter and amanda nunez at the top and uh you know hey carol hosa in there at number 15 we move avila from 15 to 14 and sajara eubanks uh leaves the rankings so hopefully she can do something i mean god knows this division needs somebody to you know make it interesting that's all that's all i really want i'm not saying you have to beat amanda nunez but let's just make it interesting i mean so many old heads in this division that that you know just ugh, I, if I never saw Raquel Pennington or Sarah McMahon or Lena Landsberg or Marion Renault ever fight again or Jermaine, Jermaine Durandamy or Holly Holm if I never saw any of them fight again I think I'd be completely fine with that I think I could die a happy man if I never saw any of those fighters ever fight again so you know really right now it's it's the entire division rests upon Aspen Ladd like, that's the, the youngest fighter in this division who's, you know, in the top 10. You know, like, hey, man, we, we, we really just need you to do something, Aspen, okay? We, we just need you to, to do something. Uh, let's see here. Moving on, we had a uh, unanimous decision victory for Laura Procopio. We'll go with that over Molly McCann. Didn't watch that fight. Forget what I was doing. I think I was taking a shower. Uh, I, I don't really tune in to fights like this. Good for her. Sucks for Molly McCann. Unfortunate her dad died. Uh, left her gloves in the octagon, which typically remain, means that you're retiring, but she said it was for her dad. So, yeah, that's that's fine. Um, hopefully she can come back and, and get a win. Uh, like I said on the pre-fight show, she was in our, our rankings at one point, and uh, I, I think she is a good fighter. It's just I don't really know what's, I don't really know what's going on. You know, just two losses in a row. Talia Santos is a good fighter. I've never heard of the, the fighter that she just lost to. So, you know, we'll see if that... We'll, only time will tell if that's a good or bad loss. But, um, yeah, unfortunate for Molly McCann. 
Alright, moving on, we had a unanimous decision victory for Sung Woo Choi over Yusuf Zalal. Uh, man, that's... That was my boy. That was my boy, Yusuf Zalal, and now he's on a two-fight losing streak after being on uh, a three-fight winning streak to start his career. Uh, just turns out he beat up a lot of really bad fighters. Lingo's not good, Griffin's not good, Barrett's not good, uh, and, uh, you know, now he's riding a two-fight losing streak, and, uh, you know, that really sucks because I had high expectations for Yusuf Zalal uh, after his first three performances. And, uh, you know, really, really, it just came down to, uh, to pressure. I, th- I thought Choi uh, did a good job putting on the pressure, good, good job with octagon control, and uh, just controlling the center of the octagon and, and not really allowing Zalal to strike. And, and that was pretty much it. Not a whole lot of um, rankings implications on this one, but it was, uh, it was a good performance for the uh, South Korean fighter. All right, moving on. We had a unanimous decision victory for Timur Valiev over Martin Day. Um, I mean, good to see Valiev hold on to a lead. I mean, you know, that was the guy who was dominating Trevin five-star Jones and then got uh, knocked out. Um, uh, Like we said, that one got overturned to a no contest. So, you know, thankfully for him, you know, he's still riding uh, a pretty significant unbeaten streak. Um thanks to maybe it was weed related I guess I don't know but uh yeah I mean Martin Day a pretty low level fighter but you know listen you got to win the ones you're supposed to he didn't do that against Jones he did it here against Day I mean just another tough Russian fighter who's a very very good wrestler good motor um you know I've I've liked both of his performances outside of him losing his first one and uh let's see what the old notebook has to say about this yeah dominant dominant on the ground a pressure fighter uh, one of those uh, New Jersey guys wrestles with uh, Frankie Edgar. Um, yeah, no, good, good for him. I don't have anything to say about Martin Day because he's going to get cut. So I don't, I don't really take notes on guys who are going to get cut. All right, moving on to the prelim opener. We had a 26-second knockout by O'Day Osborne on Jerome Rivera, uh, and this was at 145. Now, these are two flyweight fighters who are fighting two weight classes up, and, uh, yeah, fuck, I mean, Osborne just kind of, just kind of was too quick for him, he was too quick for him, uh, you know, Rivera threw that kick, Osborne just kind of held his leg up with, uh, his right shoulder and just kind of fucking blasted him with a left cross, um, very impressive performance. I mean, this this guy's talking about going down to 125. I think that's probably correct. I mean, he's 5'7". Uh, I think he would be a real problem at 125. Uh, and I think he's a smart guy. He knows that uh, the path to the title at 125 is going to be very, very easy. The path at 145 is going to be very tough. Obviously, it was just a catch weight essentially here at 145. But even bantamweight, I mean, to... to get to the title at bantamweight i mean jesus that's he's like seven fights away but he could only be two or three fights away depending on who they match him up uh for his flyweight debut down at 125 so uh you know smart guy uh very cognizant of his uh time because he is 29 which is not old but you know it's that's smack dab in the middle of your prime at at flyweight so i'll be very curious to see what he does very very talented fighter didn't go his way against brian kelleher for his UFC debut, but you know, uh, I'm curious to see what we get because we've seen a devastating loss, and now we've seen a devastating win. 
So now I'm kind of curious where we've seen both sides, both extremes of the spectrum, and then we just got to figure out where Ode Osborne falls, you know, in the grand scheme of things. But I, I think he's a very talented fighter, quick fighter, good wrestler, and uh, um, he can finish fights really fucking quick. So, you know, that's going to bode well for him if he can finish fights quick and kind of string together uh, some of these. And uh, and then for Jerome Rivera, I mean, that sucks. You're probably getting cut. Um I, well, I guess it'd be moving down from his last uh, contracted weight, but like I said, he was a, a flyweight. I think he's a, I think he's a bantamweight. He's five ten. That's crazy. Don't don't deplete yourself that much. He's a skinny guy. Three fight losing streak. Zero and three in the UFC. He's going to get cut. Um, so I don't know, man. Go back to LFA. Go back to somewhere. He's still very young at twenty five. So you know. It, it, it's not over for Jerome Rivera. It's just his, his first tenure in the UFC. I would almost guarantee is is over. Uh, we'll see if I have any notes. I don't think I have any notes on Jerome Rivera or Ode Osborne. It was such a quick performance. Um, yeah, too just too slow, too slow for Ode. Uh, so with that, I don't think there was any changes to the rankings elsewhere. Just I'll double check here. Okay. Yep. Nope. That was all the that was all the changes we had in the rankings. So with that, we've reached the end of our recap of UFC Fight Night Overeem versus Volkov. So once again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely M N. You can follow uh, North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M I N. Got to check out our website at NorthStarSports.media. And thanks for tuning in, everybody.